Welcome to the Possum Time. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the Possum Times Movie Podcast, and boy do we have a treat in store for you. A treat. In fact, we actually got two treats in store for you. The first is the fact that we're going to be talking about the, the movie Wing Commander, which I know is something near and dear to all of our hearts, but the second bigger treat is the fact that we have a special guest filling in for Pop Pop today. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the Cricket. Hello. Is it Cricket or The Cricket? I think it's just Cricket. That <laughs> <laughs> cricket sounds too much like a superhero. I don't. I don't want okay. to come off. Okay. So cricket. Yeah. All right. So so we've got cricket to my right. I'm double T's, and to my left, as per usual, we have the red bandit. The red bandit. All right. Let's just dive right in and get things started with a plot synopsis from Cricket. In the mid 27th century, the Terran Confederation is at war with the Felinoid Kilrathi Empire. <laughs> The what? Felinoid. <laughs> is that a word? That is a word. <laughs> After destroying a Terran base, the Kilrathi have seized a NAVCOM unit with the hyperspace jump coordinates to Earth. With Terran reinforcements scheduled to arrive two hours after the Kilrathi hit Earth, it falls upon the starfighter carrier TCS Tigerclaw to keep the Kilrathi wow. busy. Wow. Yeah, that's quite... Two hours too late. It's quite a setup. I mean, really, the, the fate of the Earth hangs on the edge of a knife. What were some of the themes you took away from this this very important film, Red Bandit? There's a lot of themes. All right. Uh, Hit us. So theme number one is overcoming religious discrimination. So all throughout this film, we have constant references to uh, Freddie Prince Jr., or FPJ. His past as a pilgrim. Mm-hmm. So his his mother was very religious, and this is used to discriminate against him and, and to question who he is and whether he's really loyal to the Terran cause. Well, it says that she, was it says she's religious or that she was just, she had the pilgrim blood? Well, the pilgrim is sort of metaphysical, that they, you know, like, they not only are separate from humanity, but they have special powers, and, mm-hmm. and there was some level of arrogance. They thought they were better than the rest of humanity. They... Mm-hmm. There was also, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Red Bandit, but there was a reference to the pilgrims being touched by God Mm. in the movie, which I thought was very powerful. Sensually. Yes. Okay, so the second theme is (laughs) (laughs) existential questioning. Mm. So all throughout this film, we have some really deep, deep uh, questions that are asked. You know, they, they look at Freddie Prince Jr.'s necklace and they say it kills him every time it wears it. But as, as you asked, Cricket, you know, if he's still alive and he's wearing it, was he killed in the first place? Another deep existential question is, if you die, do you exist? Mm-hmm. So the third theme is battle of the sexes. Mm-hmm. We have constant references to estrogen, testosterone. Balls. Size, the size of balls, who has bigger balls. <laughs> there also was, let's not forget, a reference to a gangbang. Uh, yeah. A Kilrathi kill gangbang. Gang bang. Yeah. That was chilling. Lots of uh, <laughs> large missiles being guided. At, uh, mm-hmm. And the fourth and final theme is uh, people are not always as they seem. Mm. Can you elaborate on that? And uh, most notably, this applies to the uh, naval intelligence officer who starts out as sort of lowbrow civilian, not quite Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. A civilian scout. 
Yeah. Han, they they repeatedly referred to him as a Sudolian scout. Yeah. Han Solo-esque. Der- ruffian. In French. And ends up being a really uh, important naval officer. Also, you have the uh, wing commander, who starts off as a, a grease monkey. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it turns out to be someone So much more. more. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much more. Indeed. True, true. Thank you very much, Red Bandit. I mean, that really captures a lot of the key elements we need to keep in mind as we as we delve into just the the wonderful journey. The, I, I describe it as a rock'em sock'em journey, actually, throughout Wing Commander. I mean, you really don't know what's going to come up next. It's quite an adventure. Let's just get started. I mean, who would have thunk that a Wing Commander movie would open with the wise words of John F. Kennedy? Did that surprise you guys that there was this opening montage in which we we hear JFK speaking about the space race and bang before we know what we're at war with an intergalactic struggle with cats? I I did obviously uh, catch the JFK starting off with JFK. I also saw a an image of Iwo Jima mm. in his opening credits. I don't know if you guys caught I, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it made me think. It made me wonder. Uh, have we explained about the Pilgrims yet? No, please. Not really. So, yeah, yeah. the Pilgrims, the main character, Freddie Prince Jr., is repeatedly referred to in a derogatory manner mm. as a pilgrim, mm-hmm. which uh, feeds into the discrimination yeah. aspect of the film that we were talking about before. And it's really kind of devastating to see the the look in you know in Freddie Prince Jr.'s big brown eyes when they when they call him a pilgrim. It's so sad. It's just, yeah, he's clearly like just torn up inside. Slack jawed. And it made me wonder Open what mouth. Yeah, it made me wonder this discrimination really for no reason. Like he never did anything. He doesn't even really understand to be honest. He doesn't understand much. Yeah. And That's most of all he doesn't understand why people are calling him names because he's a pilgrim. Mm. It made me wonder what is the historical parallel? Do you to think the pilgrims and racism commander. toward the Japanese, but I don't know. I mean, Mormons. I feel like these. I feel like you know, clearly the makers of this movie chose every scene very carefully and put everything in a certain place. Yeah. yeah. So we can't imagine that opening with JFK and Iwo Jima does not have a significant Bigger connection meaning. here. No, that's not chronological, right? I mean, you start with JFK and then mm-hmm. move forward to Iwo Jima. That seems backwards to me. But maybe maybe I've maybe got there my was facts wrong. Maybe there's a future space Iwo Jima mm. Mm. versus the cats. <laughs> yeah, the Kilrathi. Were you surprised that it took the Kilrathi so long to actually show up in person in this movie? There's a teaser at the very beginning when the Kilrathi are invading. So it opens up with this this invasion of this asteroid space station run by the the Terrans or the Confederacy. I'm not sure what they're. Terran Confederacy. Is that right? The Confederate? Yeah, okay, so it's pretty good. And there are a couple of very brief flashes where you see the Kilrathi storming the base in an effort to capture the all-important NAVCOM AI. A few things about this this initial scene that, that struck me. The biggest was the goofy hats. There were a lot of goofy hats in this movie. There were goofy monocles that they wore. Russian-esque movie hats. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is a future in which the the Soviet Union prevailed. That gets back to the JFK. Yeah. yeah, And British Victorian society with the monocle. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Victorian resurgence. I will say I heard a a lot of echoes in this movie. Historical echoes. Historical echoes. Would you like to elaborate? No. No. Okay. Well, maybe we'll come back around because I think you might be onto something cricket. Very astute. I, I was happy to see Jurgen Prochnow 
You might what was be. that again? <laughs> yeah. Jürgen Prochnow was... Uh, the, Are we ever not happy to see Jürgen Prochnow? Uh, he's, he's a real showstopper and a crowd pleaser to boot. You know, you rec- recognize him as the captain of Das Boot. <laughs> And he's also he also has a leadership ro- role on the USS Tiger Claw. So also thrilled to see, and this is this is a special moment in the history of the Possum Times. Thrilled to see David Warner back to back episodes of the Possum Times with David Warner. Did you plan that? <laughs> it's a, just a happy coincidence. We watch Secret of the Ooze. We see David Warner as the Nutty Professor. We talk about all of his great appearances throughout his illustrious career, not to mention his great job voice acting in Baldur's Gate 2 as John Arinicus. We all remember that. Of course. Uh, and then, you know, and he, he was also in Privateer 2, The Darkening a famous Wing Commander spin-off game. But here he is in Wing Commander playing Admiral Tolwyn. Obviously, we miss Malcolm McDowell. We can talk a bit more about the differences between the, how much we miss Mark Hamill and John Rice davies Dr. and Tom Wilson. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It, that's, that's a whole other story, but let's just stick to the main thing here. We've got David Warner, and he's freaking great. Cricket. I, th- I think the idea in, here in the casting, I thought the casting was brilliant. Just brilliant. I mean, you, you don't, you bring in Malcolm McDowell, Mark Hamill, all these big names, big flashy shots. stars. Yeah. Everyone's going to be thinking about the video games, number one. Mm. Number two, they're going to distract from the plot of the movie and the themes that uh, the Red Banner was talking about before. Yeah. To bring in... Uh, these other actors who are not associated with the franchise makes you really appreciate They're going to demand extravagant, terms. like, lounge rooms, and, like, the special effects are going to have to get even shittier because they can't afford anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, even now, I mean, they were a bit technologically challenged. Uh, we, there was this, uh, the, the, the audio quality kept breaking up. The video quality of their telescreens and their very early versions of the iPads head- were pathetic. And they used a Sony mini disc to transmit their most important data. The headsets are enormous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Bigger than Empire Strikes Back yeah. headsets. That's, that's right. I wanted to take a moment, and maybe Red Bandit, you could speak to this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You, you talked a little bit about the the pilgrims and the the quite literally and figuratively the cross that Freddie Prince Jr. bears underneath his often unbuttoned shirt. Well, I think this ties in nicely to our uh, possum time smart money tips. <laughs> It's time for Smart Money Tip of the Week from the Possum Times with the Red Bandit. So I got a couple uh, hot investment tips for you guys. Number one is crosses on a thin gold chain. (laughs) And specifically with that cross, you want to have a nice little blade that sticks out just in case. (laughs) You need to cut somebody. (laughs) Yep. And in in case you lose it's that really, cross, it's really an untapped market right now. Yeah. yeah. In case you lose cross that cross, knives. you also need a backup thin gold chain. Yeah. Smart money tip number two is Sony mini discs. <laughs> you might have thought that they went out of technology and no one uses them anymore, or but ever. Actually, but actually, five hundred years in the future, people will be using them. So get in on that market right now. Third. Possum time smart money tip is cold highlights. Ooh. 
Mm. Yeah. This shows up more than once. For men, for women, works for everyone. This shows, uh, this shows up in what I described as a salacious romance. Cricket, if you'd like to elaborate. <laughs> on the romance part? Yeah. Can I speak a little on technology for a moment? Oh, please, <laughs> please. Yeah, no, that's important is, too. Technical digression. Topic du jour. I just thought, you know, with the mini discs and the headsets, uh, again, clearly the filmmakers were very meticulous about what they did with this movie. Thoughtful. And I think the fact that the technology seems so outdated to us can only be an intentional decision on their part. It's like Star Wars. It must must just underscore the fact that humanity has just failed to advance. (laughs) For 700 years, and they, starting in 95, they've, they've been overtaken clearly by a race of cats. Yeah. Which, you know, that's that's just it's, it's really sobering or, to think to or, think that that could be our fate. You know, budget cuts were broadcasting from Washington D.C. during the government shutdown, mm-hmm. and you know they can it's build really, these these huge warships, but they got to cut corners, and yeah. one of the corners that gets cut is headset technology. It's really a damning social commentary <laughs> when you really think about it. But to get to the to the romance aspect that you were uh, asking about double T's, mm-hmm. um, there's really one part of the movie that uh, didn't ring true to me. The whole romance aspect, I just didn't buy that uh, the Freddie Prinze Jr. and Matthew Lillard characters were so quickly able to strike up these romances on their new ship. Mm. And really, what did you think of Rosie and Maniac? <sighs> oh, Rosie and Maniac. Mm. Can we talk about the? The bulldozer. Oh, well, that—I mean—that's a key part of what happened to Rosie and Maniac. Do you want to take this red band? No, no, no. You, I feel like you're invested in this. <laughs> well, I, I wish—I do wish they had uh, developed the Rosie character a little more because I she felt was like I was fun. I felt like I was she just was starting, fun. just starting to get a connection with her. Feisty. Yeah. Big balls. She, yeah. She had a. She had a. a she sharp, had big balls. She, and had, she wasn't afraid to show them. Big balls yeah. and a sharp tongue, which is. A dangerous combination sometimes. Everything you want. Yep. Yeah, that's right. But they, she, was, she was taken from us in this movie a little too soon, I think, and mm. I, I felt... Do you think it was racist? <laughs> yeah. We should point Could out be. that Rosie was black. Yeah. Bulldozed. She was... Yeah. Just... No. They didn't even check. They didn't even check to see if she made it. Is this just another example, like Snails from Dungeons & Dragons? of the charismatic black sidekick not making it. It's Hollywood at its uh, racist worst. Mm. It's upsetting. Because <laughs> she, was, she was fun. Uh, nice highlights. And to she, literally bulldoze her off the ship as if she was so much garbage. Yeah. Ugh. Really, just... They searched for the other girl. They, they True, sent, the white a, girl. They sent a special mission into space to look for her. Yeah. But Rosie <laughs> was on the deck of the ship. <laughs> They couldn't bother to go. <laughs> they couldn't just open up the, the cockpit to see if she was okay. Nope. Just no. bulldoze her right off. Got to close it up. Yep. Move on. Got to clear the deck. <laughs> it's, it's very it's horrible. Yeah, really disturbing. Ugh. Um, my next note that I had here is more of a general comment. Just that I, I found that the combination of Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. <clears throat> was weak. I thought that they were weak leads. Is I underlined. The blonde guy? Yes, Matthew Lillard's the blonde guy. Yeah. Played Maniac as opposed to Tom Wilson from the games, and uh, Mark Hamill played Maverick in the, the games. It said we get the Prince Lillard one-two punch, and I just, 
I underlined two words, well, three, actually. I underlined the word idiots, <laughs> and then I underlined the words, uh, uh, th another three, Bill and Ted. Did you feel like there was a bit of a Bill and Ted dynamic between them? Like, they're just two fucking morons. I think it does disservice to Bill and Ted to even make that comparison. Okay. I think you're missing a word. What? Chest. <laughs> These two guys, every opportunity they had, yeah. they were three buttons down on their shirt. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was not convinced either of them was actually uh, interested in, in the female love interest. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They thought they were terrible. And, and, and another another comment, uh, just regarding the contrast to the games, the the decision to to have the the fighter ships here basically be like kind of spin-offs of World War II dogfighting planes. Mm. Uh, that's that's in complete contrast to the style of, of all the games. So that that struck me and it also just seemed a bit out of place and maybe a bit played out. Uh, I don't know what you two thought about that stylistic choice. World War II dogfighting in space with junked up planes. Well again, I mean it can go back to the theme that we were talking about of uh, the lack of progress that the human race has made. Mm. We heard about these pilgrims yeah. who were humans who went into space, uh, were out there for apparently about 500 years, made a lot of advancements, mm -hmm. uh, even seemed to be turning into some kind of like superhuman race mm -hmm. uh, who were looked down upon mm -hmm. as freaks. Yeah. And I, th I think that's a, that's a commentary on how we fear change and fear progress. Mm. And to go into battle and not even barely, to barely be able to defeat a race of cats. Yeah. I mean, cats. Or skittish. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, again, the damning... Spray some, some water at them. Damning social commentary <laughs> on, on our progress as humans. Yeah. What did you think about the way the, the cats look, the Kilrathi? They look very different in the games. In the games, they're big, feline, furry yeah, creatures. In this, they're more... Lizard-like. Lizard-like. They live in, like, green, misty, <laughs> Irish glens. <laughs> Speaking guttural, very uncat-like voices. Yeah. Yeah, they look like lizards with beards. Yeah, yeah like Fu Manchu. Yeah. Chinese. Chinese, I'm sorry. Is this a, like, secret yellow peril? <laughs> is, that, is that a sub-theme running? It this? could be. It could be. Again, with the racism. Maybe we're just concluding that Wing Commander is just... The most racist The most racist, racist, <laughs> racist and sexist. We, well, we have uh, this theme that, that Red Bandit mentioned, uh, this idea of when you die, you never existed. That's true. It's mm. a recurring theme. So these, these pilots come, they fight... They don't always make it, and then regardless of the relationships, they might have for, uh, forged a, uh, on board the Tiger's Claw. Uh, once, they're, once they're dead, it's like they were never there in the first place. And we place. see this, so when he gets into to Chen's uh, spaceship, yeah. Chen was he, tries, he tries to mount Chen's rocket, yeah. and it turns out that Chen was romantically linked to Angel. Did you think the choice <laughs> of her name as Angel was a little heavy-handed with the religious uh, overtones? From the game, yeah, well, she was she was, was angel the in the game, game. yeah, oh. Lieutenant Devro. Less French in this though. She mm. was less French. I felt that the na nationalities were all mixed up from the game because in the game, Paladin Taggart uh, was played by uh, John uh, John Rice Davies, who's uh, you know has an English Scottish thing going mm. on, and the laddie, you know, uh, it's, it's Gimli, it's freaking Gimli from uh, from Lord of the Rings. But in this, he's French. 
Uh, so it seems to kind of mix that up. We also see Captain Panaka from episode one and two of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Uh, so a he, loyal bodyguard to, to Padme. That's right. That's right. So we get another, another shout-out to uh, everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, <laughs> Phantom Menace. There's also He's the, in all three, isn't he? He's definitely in the first two. He could be in the third one. I think he dies in the third one. Does he? Yeah, there's there's like an attack on like a space platform and yeah. he like gets blown up. You sure that's not the opening sequence to the second one? Could be. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll just have to watch all three as part of yeah. the Possum Times and figure out the fate of Captain Panaka. I, I also, I mean, just the dynamic, the fundamental dynamic between Maverick and Maniac in this movie Wait. is actually quite a bit different than in, in the Who games. Who is Maverick? Maverick's uh, Blair, the, yeah. the Freddie Prince Jr. FPJ. Yeah. So in in the games, they're they're kind of uh, rivals a bit. You know, they're trying to one up each other, and and Blair's more the straight shooter. Oh, Maniac, Maniac is Biff. Is, Maniac is Biff, right? Yeah. Game, so he's he's more of a more of a, takes a lot of chances and reckless and all this. In this movie, they were more like fraternity brothers. They're doing yeah. like bro handshakes. They're like, yo, I got your back, yo. Cradling each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not a direct quote from the movie. Uh, Yo, I got your back. Should have been. It could have been. It could have been. been. They do. They do these crazy handshakes and all this stuff. It's uh, it's a very different dynamic with the pilgrim stuff. Uh, so we learned that the pilgrims have these special abilities that might be in their genetic code. They've evolved into having a flawless sense of direction. This sense that maybe they think they're better than everyone else, they believe that they're gods. I, thought, I found it interesting that, you know, Paladin explains this whole history of these people uh, to Freddie Prince Jr. about halfway through the movie, even though Freddie Prince Jr.'s character is like 22 years old at least and has been a, a pilgrim his entire life. So it just seemed kind of funny to me. What you're forgetting, uh, though, is that he is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he is dumb as a rock. <laughs> so he's probably been told this dozens of times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the end of the movie, he's forgotten. Yeah, that, that's, you're, you're probably right on what's, that. What's his crossover word? <laughs> His primary acting method in the movie was just kind of scrunching up his face in a confused-looking way. Yeah. It was it a, for maybe me. it was effective the first couple times, but then it kind of lost a little for me as the movie went on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the question was, was he acting? Or, like, was that, was that just him? <laughs> like, Reacting. Yeah, so I thought that that was... That we was... might have to make a deep dive into the Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, filmography. PJ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have that at the ready. Uh, I can work on it. Okay, all right. You can you can consult the Possum Times Let's computing data a, center. Oh, a forty page essay on. <laughs> submit a research request. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about the Matrix. There's a scene in here that uh, reminded me quite a bit of the Matrix. It involves uh, involves a three hundred sixty degree or nearly that rotation of a freeze frame around a cafeteria table. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what was going on? <laughs> I mean, what, what was? Uh, what do you think was cooler, the scene in the Matrix with the bullet time, or this scene in the cafeteria with the spilled milk? I just wish they had shown what the cats were doing at that moment. Yeah, that they were like, <laughs> <laughs> was it actually milk? I don't know. It might have been space milk or some kind of blue goo mm. that they drink to make themselves smarter. 
That might have been, if they're sitting around the ship drinking milk all the time, no wonder they call Robbie after them. Really? Yeah. Milk cats, cats like milk. Yeah. Yeah. It also is good for your bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this seemed to be no point to the flight mass. They just sort of took them on and put them off randomly. Even when she's, like, stuck in her escape pod, Angel, I, I this and too. she's about to die, yeah. she doesn't put on the flight mask. Yeah, they keep on taking it on and off, like, every freaking scene. What speaking, the hell's the point? Speaking of the flight mask, did anyone else see uh, any Top Gun parallels in this movie? I think there are plenty. Definitely. Go for Definitely. it. Right. I mean, I thought the um, Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, their kind of disdain for any kind of female authority... Mm. And they're kind of forgets how big their balls are. Yeah, exactly. And their <laughs> their drive to defy someone just seemingly just because they were a woman mm-hmm. harkens back to Top Gun and kind of just the uh, the, the notion the notion of a kind of devil may care uh, pilot taking risks and getting people killed and yeah, yeah, yeah. then getting redemption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ice Man, <clears throat> blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Now there was a scene in this movie that had all of us, I mean, white-knuckling it on the edge of the couch. I mean, we were really anxious. There's a hole breach on the tiger claw, and the, the gravi- gravity controls are out of whack, and we almost lost FPJ. Mm. I mean, he, he almost dislocates his shoulder. He is hanging by a thread. Mm. Yeah. And it takes a heroic joint effort with or, uh, multiple people pitching in, we have Maniac, and he's on this special, like, rig. Rope. Yeah, this, like, metal rope thing, and he, gets, and he pulls Lillard back in. And then I thought it was interesting, because it's very dramatic to pull him back, and then kind of at the conclusion of the scene, just, like, a bunch of maintenance workers walk over to the hole breach and stick a big piece of uh, door in front of it, and then it's sealed, and then they walk away. Big piece of metal, that's all it takes. Yeah, so I mean... That was a big character arc moment for the... Who was the, like, asshole pilot? Like, the one they didn't get along with? Hunter? Oh, Hunter, yeah. He's like, yeah. should I help? And then, like, Maniac's like, yeah, <coughs> don't let him die. Yeah. So that, yeah, they came together under pressure. Hunter mm. was, we should say, Hunter was very, Australian. very um, anti-pilgrim. Yeah. Mm. Like... I thought a big part of the movie was about coming to terms with yourself. Mm. About uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s kind of struggle with his own understanding. Like, to understand to what's understand, going on around him. You know, like, <laughs> what a pilgrim was, or yeah. how he was supposed to fly a plane, or where he was at any given time. Any given moment, how yeah. to use words. How to like, <laughs> react properly to human emotion. How to close his mouth. Yeah. But just, yeah. yeah, coming to terms with those issues with yourself. Yeah. And Matthew Lillard having to come to terms with being an inveterate douchebag. Yeah. yeah. Did he? No. No. Did he die in the end? No. No, he was, he was all right. Yeah. He was all right. Rosie no died. Rosie died. She got bulldozed. I don't know if you guys caught this, but toward the end, uh, when Freddie Prince Jr. is questioning, just questioning, Paladin <laughs> uh, <laughs> turns to him and he says, Regarding his pilgrim ancestry, he says, it's not a matter of faith, it's genetics. Did you guys catch that? No. It's the no. whole science versus religion <clears throat> in the future. Mm. thought that that captured quite a bit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another aspect of pilgrim not being who you think he is. Mm-hmm. So not only is he like a badass naval intelligence dude, but he's also deeply religious pilgrim. Mm. And that, you know, you're... 
your genetics don't determine who you are. Hmm. But they do, right? Isn't that what he said? No. It's, yeah, he did. He said it's, it's genetic. It's not genetic. He says it's not fate, it's <laughs> genetics. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. so, so literally, you have no choice in this. Yeah. It's pre-programmed into your DNA. Yeah. Okay, so, all right. Yep. So that that's... Yeah. That's that's sobering. That's something. That's a, that's a difficult view of the world to come to grips with. Yeah, there's no free will. That's how that could be another thing. And once you die, you don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't it's matter. A really post-apocalyptic nightmare they're living in. Uh, on that note, let's <laughs> move on to the, let's move on to final grades. The final thoughts and grade, uh, grades. Uh, Red Bandit. Final thoughts and grades. I'm gonna say A minus. Wow. And it's that high <laughs> for one specific reason. I thought they did a really good job on eyebrows all throughout this movie. <laughs> they were well manicured, well kept. Uh, the, the eyebrows grew throughout the different scenes with with the evolution of the characters. And yeah, I just think whoever was doing eyebrows on this film was going one hundred percent. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So, you know, in my book that gets you into instant A territory. Wow! Great. Brow fanatic over here, <laughs> cricket. I, 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 Red Bandit just really made me think. I think if you know if uh, Pulp Fiction had had a really good eyebrow man, it might have won the Oscar. Yeah, that year. Mm. that's what it takes. Yeah, mm. I never realized. It. I never realized it until just. What, now. what about head blood? <sighs> so much head blood in that movie. There was a lot of head blood. <laughs> All in the same location. <laughs> <laughs> the characters also had very difficult time uh, getting medics. To come and help them. Yeah, and help the medics. Yeah, they must have yelled "medic" at least eight or nine we got, times. In the we got movie. one at the end. Though. One yeah. comes the at the very did end. Show up at the very end. He had a real shitty uniform yeah. too. Like, it was clearly like and you should say when no when the medic was no longer needed. <laughs> right. The right. medic did show after up. she had been revived again, like the Matrix. She yeah. was revived revived through a kiss. They clearly just like cobbled together a medic uniform at the last moment. Yeah. They're like, we can't call for a medic this many times and then I actually show one. Well, we, we thought he might also double as the bulldozer <laughs> operator, so maybe he had just finished bulldozing off some more live pilots from the <laughs> <laughs> It's too late for them. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry, as you were. Oh, my grade? Yes, final thoughts and grades. I'm going to give this movie a B. B, okay. As, as, well... Well, we don't know your think, scale yet. I actually think the B is very generous. Yeah. Like as I was watching the movie, yeah. If I'm judging the movie purely on its merits, yeah. I'm gonna. Ha I would be in the C minus D plus range. <laughs> it was really, the, the acting as uh, Double T's pointed out was weak. Yeah. With uh, SPJ and uh, yeah. Matthew Lillard. Blue. The plot was. Epic. Very, Confusing. very, very <laughs> difficult to follow. I, I must have. I must have turned to uh, Red Band and then Double T's. Five or six times during the movie to express the fact At that least. I had no idea what was going on. The reason what pushes it up to a B is that uh, in reviewing the uh, filmography of Freddie Prince Jr. on uh, IMDb, <laughs> this is this appears to be the movie that that essentially killed uh, <laughs> his career, uh, coming off you know the smashing success of the I Know What You Did Last Summer movies. Really, he was really riding a wave of popularity at this yeah. point. Mm. And after 1999, when this movie came out, his 
was done. presence in, in film really kind of drops off. So this destroyed the Wing Commander franchise and his career. In and his career. Swoop. And possibly the career of Matthew Lillard, which would just be a bonus. I, I haven't done I any haven't research on him yet. since either. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that pushes it up to a B for it's me. Great Double T's. Those are, those are some excellent points. I'm actually, this is a shocker, but I'm going to go with a, uh, with a C. Oh. This is my lowest mark ever. What have I ever been below you? I know. I, it's it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty bad. This is this is purely for personal reasons. It's just because I grew up really. I mean, from the time I was, you know, eight years old or so, uh, playing the the original Wing Commander on the Commodore Amiga and just loving the cinematography and the great story development and it was just action packed. And as the games evolve, the Plots became more, more in depth and and more twists and turns, and then they brought in these A-list actors. I mean, who's more A-list than Mark Hamill? Goes <laughs> again. You had Malcolm McDowell and and, and John Rhys Davies and Tom Wilson and all these people that we've talked about. I mean, the Wing Commander three was was excellent. Wing Commander four was even better. I mean, it was just just tremendous cinematic storytelling complemented with great flight sim. And so, as a younger as a younger man. Find out that they were making it's a younger a, possum. A, it's a younger possum. <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, find out that they were making this into a feature film, directed by the same guy who created the games and directed the movies and the games. I thought, wow. I mean, this is going to launch this this franchise into a whole new stratosphere. I think everyone thought that. Yeah, but in reality, it was the exact opposite. This was the death knell of the Wing Commander series. It absolutely killed it. And I, I blame the decision to cast Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. At PJ. Yeah, I think that that just, that just absolutely ruined it. So, on that somber note... This has been the Possum Time. Hey, Possum Times fans. Double T's here. You can reach out to the Possum Times gang via email at possumcast at gmail.com and via twitter at possumcast let me the red bandit and pop pop know what you're thinking suggestions for movies to review are welcome